Good morning, you guys. It's me, Casey, here. Jason will not be with us today. I have a few fun topics to talk about. Things going on in the garden, uh, homemade tea that we are trying and love, um, a trial that is in blossom that we've never seen before, and a couple uh, positives about what we planted in our rock border garden. So let's get started today. Oh, also one thing that we will be talking about is wild bunnies. So I know a lot of people have problems with those. Um, so we'll kind of get into that as well. All right, so today I am sipping on ginger tea. I've talked before, I'm really trying to cut out coffee. Um, I haven't cut it out all the way. I have had a half cup already, but that's way better than like the one to two cups that I've been getting on a schedule of um, drinking. So I actually love tea. I created like this little like tea center inside of our house and I, I drink more of it like when the cold is hit but since it's been hot I haven't been using that station as much which I think kind of gravitated my attention back to coffee which um you know is what I'm trying to cut now so I kind of went back to that station and you know I'm steeping my teas and I really like the republic of tea teas um, I always feel like they're like really good and um, they don't have a lot of like that filler stuff that you find in a lot of other teas. I also love just random loose leaf teas and um, this year we're kind of playing around with making our own teas with things from the garden but I just don't have a ton of that ready at the moment because it's still early for our garden to harvest a lot of that. So this morning I actually made my own ginger orange tea and um, I always have like some stomach issues. Um, I have like a colitis and so, you know, different foods can really upset my stomach and, um, it, you know, and I always find the power in healing yourself through good foods and eliminating things that aren't good for you. Um, but you know, I am still human. I come from an Italian family, so it's really hard sometimes to, you know, not grab food. Um, growing up, it's always been manja, manja, you know, like, and everything's about food. Celebrating's about food. Happy's about food. Sad's about food. Everything is about food. Like eat, 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 you know? So, um, <laughs> it's, it's not like, uh, something that's like a habit that you can break in a week like oh I'm starting a diet you know no that doesn't happen failure every time because you can't look at things as diets you got to look at it as a complete lifestyle change and choosing things now I'm not saying cut out everything all the time right you know I mean it's not practical unless you're extremely extremely committed and I know like with what I have it's kind of like all right you really should be more committed <laughs> But it's not always that easy, okay? We're human, we live life, and there's food surrounding us that is just smells good, tastes good, looks good. Um, so it's not always the easiest, but I'm getting there. I'm gradually, you know, um, I, I'm at least aware. I think awareness is always like the biggest key in things. I don't feel that you always need to just like up and stop everything. I know right now one of the biggest diets is like the keto diet. And that's great. I've seen results with that just from like some of my family members. And I think that, um, you know, that's awesome. But I always think a lot of these diets are fads because as soon as you go off of it, like you just kind of gain everything back and kind of lose your health really quickly because your body was so used to like one way of eating and doing things. And now all of a sudden you're like, it's the holidays. And it's like, how did I gain 20 pounds in December? You know, <laughs> so um, I always feel like sometimes diets can 
really mess with like your body. So I always say it's more about a lifestyle change and it doesn't have to be done on Monday. Everything doesn't have to change on Monday. You know, that's usually the day that everyone's like, I'm starting on Monday, so I'm going to eat whatever the heck I want on Sunday, right? But, you know, on Monday, it's kind of like you don't need to cut everything. Just maybe cut the one thing that you find yourself eating a lot, whether that's in between meals or at nighttime. Um, maybe just, you know, when you're eating something, be like, okay, well, um, I'm just going to alternate this for this, you know, and start off slow. It doesn't have to be like this huge change. And, you know, like there's really no rush in, um, you know, I mean, it's good to get healthy quick, but um, I think when you rush it and try to do a lot of these fad diets, it really sets you up for failure because as soon as you gain it back, you kind of, you know, get back into the funk of like, oh, you know, I did all that work and now I gained it back. And then, you know, it's kind of like this. OK, there's a plane going over just to kind of give you a heads up. So that's what you're hearing. I'm sitting in the garden right now. The birds are chirping. So um, but it really kind of sets you up for failure in itself you know, and it kind of puts you down in the dumps and then it's really hard to get back into it, you know, um, in the hype of January 1st, you know, like, come on, (laughs) I'm starting January 1st and I'm becoming a new woman, you know, it's like June and I'm like, yeah, that didn't happen. (laughs) So, you know, you just got to be, you know, patient with yourself and just know that not everything is always going to be perfect and just substituting random things will start getting you into that right direction. And and I think overall, like once you start feeling good as in health wise, it doesn't always have to be how your clothes fit or what the scale says, you know, things like that. Um, Just always go by like, you know, what your gut is feeling or different symptoms, you know, like if you're getting like skin problems or, you know, there's a random amount like joint pain, arthritis, all of that, like a lot of that can be helped through our foods. Now, in no means am I saying don't go to a doctor and, you know, get help. Um, But I'm also saying that there's ways that you can be helping yourself on top of, you know, receiving the help depending on um, the severity of your symptoms. So today I, uh, I made like this homemade ginger tea. So I started making it yesterday and I, I was like, I love ginger tea. It's one of my favorites. So I'm always constantly buying ginger tea bags and sometimes with like the lemons or, you know, whatever it's infused with in there. And I usually really like the natural leaf. I don't like any additives in there. And if my tea is turning like different colors, like I know that like something isn't right unless it's like, you know, you're drinking like a blueberry or berry, um, type of a tea because those will naturally color your water. But if it's a ginger tea, there should be no yellow happening. Like, like, The lemon that's infused in there, like whether it's they dry the lemon or lemon powder, I don't know, like from dehydration, but it should not be turning pure yellow. Like that's not right, especially from one little tea bag. So today I made my own. All I did was I went to the grocery store. We have a Woodman's nearby, so I bought some, um, I bought some ginger. So they had ginger root there and I just kind of came home, um, cut like a piece and I peeled it with my peeler and um, I sliced it and put that into my mug. I have a really large mug and um, because the more tea the better for me and if I'm making my own I know it's going to be stronger and better and then I took a little clementine orange and just took like um, three little pieces of it and tossed that into the mug so I had like three to four slices of the ginger root 
and then three to four pieces of the small clementine orange and and topped it with um, 180 degrees water which is I love for when I'm steeping my tea I let it steep for like five ten minutes and I actually let it just sit in there the whole time I'm sipping I don't remove the ginger or the orange I love as this the flavor gets stronger but it never got strong to where it was overbearing while I'm drinking it and the flavor is amazing it is gonna be so hard for me to go back to tea bags which since I started making it yesterday, I'm like, this is going to be my go-to tea until other things are ready in the garden because I love it. And ginger is really great for your digestive system. So it, it's, it's, you know, you always see like the ginger chews or things like that for nausea. A lot of times when you're pregnant, you really kind of... Um, you know, depend on ginger stuff because when you're pregnant, it's like there's so many things you can't eat or do or, you know, so... Um, I always found myself always having these ginger chews and hard candies and now I'm just kind of like I can't believe that I could have made my own and I didn't and I could have had like this tea and you know like so it's it's really fun to watch like you know your own progress and I'm sure a lot of you um, have been learning like and seeing yourself grow within these past you know five years um, it's crazy how you go from like the person you were and the things you knew from 25 to just 35 and I'm 37 now so I feel like in the past two years I've been wanting to just learn 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 I have always been a person where um, I you know I my job is in the garden it's stuff I've known forever so I've always shared that stuff but um, and that's why I was starting to get a little bored and that's when I started wanting to learn 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 because I wasn't wanting to learn anything new. I was, I'm always one of those two where it's like time to play a game with the family. Well, I'm not reading the directions, just tell me how, you know, cause I don't even, I didn't even wanna learn how to play a board game. Like, it, <laughs> I don't know why I've been so resistant. I didn't know I was resistant at that point. But when I look at myself just, you know, a couple of years ago or a few years ago, I see myself as being that resistant person to learning, which is crazy, you know, and um, of how to do things and in different ways to use things in the garden, right? You know, it was never an interest of mine. But for some reason, something really changed. And it became like a really big interest of mine. So I'm I'm really like finding that the more people that I get to know, the more people that I talk to, which is crazy because I've been getting to know so many more people, especially with like my kids being in school, you get to know other parents. And a lot of them have also said that they found the same thing within themselves. You know, like um, wanting to learn things, expand their knowledge, do different things that they've never done before, you know. And um, I just think that's very interesting. I, it's intriguing to me. That's something that I'd actually like to learn more about as to like why. And I just think it's awesome that, you know, people are wanting to fill their head with more knowledge that is so helpful for them, their health, their family, their friends. Um, it's amazing. I just think overall, like, you know, people are really just becoming um, better. And I know that that's hard to um, understand or hard to really soak in, especially with, you know, everything we're shown in the news today, but we're never shown like the good things. Like there's still really great people. You know, we're only showed um, shown all of the the bad things, you know, and there's still so much good out there. So many nice people doing good things, learning great things to be able to teach and share good things. 
And um, I think that's, you know, kind of where we started focusing more of our attention towards and which has helped us grow more as um, individuals and not just in our knowledge, but as in, you know, um, just like becoming more um, social and being more um, open to learning and hearing and talking and uh, making new friends. And, you know, like our kids were little and I feel like there's a period in time when your kids are super little that, you know, newborn to like four years old age is almost like you become almost like a shut in. (laughs) I don't know if you guys have experienced that before, but um, it's almost like they're not in school yet, you know, so you're just like doing everything outside of school and um, you're not really meeting a lot of new people. You're, you know, making sure that they're tended to and they're having the best little life that they could possibly have and you know you're busy making meals and adjusting to having children because that's the biggest thing let's let's talk about that that's the biggest thing is once you have children it's like that's a big adjustment going from no children to having children huge life changer and I think that that adjustment has something to do with it and plays a big role in the way that your life changes but I don't know. I've been finding that um, things have been really changing within the past couple years um, for us on a personal level. And I just found it really interesting to find out that other people's lives are changing in that same way, um, but just in different, you know, topics, avenues or um, that kind of stuff. So so another thing that I'd like to talk about um, today are the wild bunnies. And I know that I mentioned this earlier and you're like, can you please get to the bunnies? Like, let's talk to the bunnies because I know everybody's having problems with bunnies. So we haven't had to deal with bunnies really before. I know it sounds crazy because, you know, we live out in the open and it's like, it's like perfect grabs for them. You know, it's like a free for all if really if they wanted to come in here, like they could just eat their little heart out like all day, all night and they would be set for life, right? So this is like the first year we started noticing a lot of wild bunnies. So we have two that are adults, and now we have a couple that I've been noticing are babies because rabbits produce pretty quickly. We actually have bunnies for pets, so um, ours are fixed, so that way we don't end up with all these bunnies and stuff like that. We have three, and that's all we can really like maintain at this point. But we know that bunnies reproduce super quickly. So we know that these baby bunnies will become adult bunnies very quickly. And then they're going to have baby bunnies. So there has to be something done if we notice something going on. Like if we notice that they're eating our garden. And right now they're not. We do see them a lot, but they're not eating our garden. There's plenty for them to eat. I haven't noticed any damage, but here's why. And this is why I think. So surrounding our entire property is our lawn. So our lawn isn't like your typical lawn. You know, we're always told, you know, like you have to have the perfect lawn. No dandelions, no clover, you know, spray that, get rid of it. Have that perfect green lawn, throw your fertilizer on the lawn, get it thick and bright green and, you know, or maybe you have a smaller plot and you're like, water your lawn, do all this, you know. We don't do any of that. Like, we don't do any of that we have the dandelions, we have the clover, you know, we keep the dandelions there because that's the first flower of the season. And that's all the bees have, you know, for us here in Wisconsin. And if you want to attract more beneficials to your garden and more bees and pollinators to your garden, dandelions are a really important 
part of the process to get them used to coming into your garden. It's like they get used to this schedule of coming here and there's always something next in bloom. And it's really important that they have that early food. So a lot of times when people are spraying their dandelions and clover and everything like that, um, that's when you end up with a lot of bees dying. So that's kind of how that happens on a basic level. That could be a whole deeper you know, topic, but we're just gonna graze over that. So all of our lawn has clover, dandelions, and bunnies love that. That's like junk food for us in the pantry. You know, like they come out to our lawn and they're like, this is the life. <laughs> they're like, this is amazing. Plus we have so many wild areas on the property that host so many different edible grasses for them. So many different, um, more clover, like the taller varieties. Um, that you actually like harvest and grow within like different like hay and stuff. So it's like a little extra sweet treat on top of the food for all your farm animals. And then um, dandelions are out there too. It's thick and heavy and we cut paths in between for walking and that's actually where like the wildlife and like the sound of the insects is the loudest. It's one of my favorite areas because it is just left natural. Um, but the bunnies are there too. So another area that the bunnies go to is our bird feeder because the birds constantly drop seeds. And we feed our feeders all the time because we're big bird nerds and we love watching the birds. So the bunnies always go to our bird feeder and they're always eating the seed there. Plus the grass grows a lot longer there, so much quicker. So they're always, you know, eating the grass down there too. I just feel like being able to provide those areas for them, allow them to have things to eat outside of your garden. So am I saying that this is gonna work all season? No, because this is our first year dealing with them. So say they start coming into our garden and they're eating it, we're going to have to start trapping. And so we have a trapper that traps, if there's an animal that we're having problems with, we'll bait them, we'll trap them, and then we release them. Um, so you would have to find a place where you can release them. We have a lot of different areas and people we know that are fine with things being released, you know, on their properties, um, which are like large, you know, acreage properties. So it doesn't even matter to them that they're there. So that's kind of like, you know, what we do. And, you know, so you have to kind of find what's good for you. I know that they have repellent sprays, which I've heard some people say they work, but they don't work, you know, and more often I've heard that they don't. The best way if you don't want, don't want to trap and, and deliver them somewhere else um, is really just putting a fence around your garden. That's really the truly number one way to keep animals out of your garden is a fence. And you know, unless they can climb, they're going to get in anyway. You know, like raccoons, if they want to get in, they're getting in, right? Um, but bunnies like and deer, it'll keep them away. So we don't have any problem with deer. We see deer around the property. But I think that everything's so wide open here on our property. There's nowhere for them to really hide. Anytime we see them, we see them along our waterway where like the grasses are really long and they can kind of feel really protected to cross. And, you know, because we have a woods in the back. So they go from a woods across the street to the woods all the way in the back. And um, and then they go around like the back of our large hill on our property. And um, so they like to go in areas where they're protected. And when they're 
in the area where our garden is placed, they're not protected. So they feel unprotected and scared. So they don't even really make that, um, they don't really even make that move to come into the garden. So I believe that that's why else we haven't had problems with them. So every year we do add more trees. And as we add more trees, this will be something we will have to keep an eye on because if that does happen, we will have to do something. And um, what that looks like then, I don't know because we're not experiencing that problem as of right now. So those are my tips on those types of um, problems that you're having. So I also want to talk about watering. Um, <clears throat> so for those of you that don't know, for the past seven years, I've been watering everything in our garden by hand, including our raised beds, including our ground plots. Because um, anytime we used to put like a, a sprinkler on our ground plots, it would just get so mucky and muddy, you couldn't even get in there to do anything. You couldn't get in there to till, um, to maintain the weeds. You couldn't get in there to harvest. And then when you use the um, sprinkler, it's like weeds just went everywhere. And because um, you're really just watering the weeds too. And, you know, honestly, if you don't want to be out there, that's the way to do it. But this year, um, out there in the raised beds, we did soaker hoses. So soaker hoses are super inexpensive and um Jason did it where, you know, four beds are hooked up and then he runs another hose to the other side and those four beds are hooked up and then the other four beds and we can run one whole side with four, eight, 12, 12 beds on one line at one time and I leave it on for like 30 minutes to an hour at the most because the pressure gets lower at that point with that many things going but it's like an hour that I don't have to be outside. And during that hour is when I learned how to make my ginger tea and make it, steep it and drink it and enjoy it. And now I'm like, I'm hooked. And normally I wouldn't have had that time to do that. So that is what I'm really, really excited about. And then he put the drip system into our beds on the other side, which is a whole nother eight. And that's super simple now too, because I just turn it on and then I go get stuff done. I even got a load of laundry folded in between that time. And while some of these are on, we have other hoses on other sides of the house. So I can go and water up like the window boxes in the front yard or the water boxes and baskets in the courtyard. And then it's like, you know, I have all this other watering done while this watering's being done for me. And it usually took me like three to four hours a day just to water. It's insane. And um, that's what would really like burn me out because don't get me wrong, I love having a watering relationship with my garden that's a different topic <laughs> um but you know it's like but it, it kind of comes down to you know I need to make time for other things too you know like my kids are on summer break right now so it's like they require um attention we do school skills during the summer with them um and then you know it's like when they're home they're they're hungry like all the time I'm like didn't you just eat they're like yeah but I'm hungry I'm like okay okay I mean, these kids are so active. Of course, they're hungry. So, you know, I like to make things from scratch, a lot of things. So that way they're eating healthy and they're not just eating things from a package. You know, once in a while, obviously that's fine. Quick go, you know. Um, but yeah, most of the time I like to make sure that they're eating like, you know, a freshly rinsed, chopped veggies and, and fruit and um, having their homemade bread and having like homemade lunches and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So 
that requires time. So after I'd be done watering, I'd be so exhausted. And then I'd like do everything that the kids, you know, needed me to do, you know, be the mom that I needed to be. And I was so exhausted and I wasn't enjoying it. And that's what created the burnout. So I always say, you know, like if there's any way to make your life easier, do it. Even if it costs a little bit more money, like, you know, like budget the money to go towards the thing that'll make your life easier because it'll pay off in the end. So with soaker hoses, they're like $17 a piece. So, you know, add that all up with all of our beds. It's not like super cheap, but it's cheap compared to automatic watering systems. And a lot of people suggested the drip system, like the um, the, the tape drip. And um, I've seen my family use that because they grow thousands of mums. Um, like every other year, every third year, they do it, um, whether they want to or not, is what it comes down to. And they've used the drip tapes on all of their mums, and they didn't like it. And I saw the process of it, and it didn't work well for, like, individual pots. It worked, but, like, if a pot, like was moved because they moved it out for selling or if a pot tipped over from the wind which happened because there's lots of wind out here um, they'd have to set them up and set all of the drip tapes up but I can see how it would work well in a raised bed and um, and how that would work out well and nice so I'm not positive as to how much that would cost but we did end up going the route with the soaker hose and honestly I mean I'm very happy with it. I'm very happy because I don't have to be out there for four hours in the hot heat watering. Um, we do like to get out here early, but I don't want to start super early with watering all the time because I also feel that taking the time to sit and enjoy my garden and the sounds out here is also important. So it's, it's really about, you know, prioritizing your day. So um, one thing I really want to talk about too is um, this year we tried a new proven winter potato vine and um, my family, you know, they have a garden center. So they got sent a lot of different trials that won't be coming out until next year. And I do have a video on our YouTube channel of one day when I was working there and potting up all of these um, trial plants. So I don't remember the name of this potato vine I'm about to talk about. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's in that video because I did list off the names and some of the things I was excited to try, even though the potato vine ended up being the only thing that I ended up trialing. So, so far it's, I love the growth habit of it. So far it's like, um, it's pretty aggressive, but like in a good way, it has more of like that, <clears throat> that more like, um, feathery maple leaf. It's like really pretty. So today I'm out here and it's right next to me actually because it's in a flowering container that I created and all of a sudden I noticed like this little like light pink flower and I was just like wait what? I've never had a potato vine flower for me. I mean obviously if you're you know growing potatoes they flower but I've like ones that are made for containers nowadays aren't really like ones that flower. I've never had one flower. Maybe you have. I don't know. But for me personally, never, never had one flower. So I was like, that can't be that. Like, I'm like, I have to go move around the vine. Like maybe I threw in a different variety into there and that's just one of the flowers peeking out. So I went over to it and I moved the vine and I'm like, holy cow, this one actually flowers. So it's really cool. So this one comes out in 2023 and you know, like the color of the flower doesn't really go with the palette of um, the container. 
but I think I, I, I'm fine with that right now because I'm just like floored that this thing flowers. It's super cool and I love it. And I just thought that that was really unique to have that, especially with such an aggressive vine and it's chartreuse in color and it's just really, really pretty. And it looks like it could either trail up or down. Um, that's kind of like what I'm getting from the growth habit of it. I also want to talk about um, our rock border gardens that are on the very south side of our garden. And it's in the very back of the garden where we sit along the waterway. So um, a couple years ago or a few years ago, we created these rock border gardens to kind of create like the space with our fruit trees. And all the perennials that were planted there like did terrible. Like they didn't return except for irises and our Russian uh, sage. And so those are returning still. So in their place then, um, we put the lemony lace, kind of more shrubbery. It's, it's, it's a proven winter shrub to me because it gets big. It gets pretty large. So this year, though, it's still pretty small. So we kind of place those in between the Russian sage. So that way we get like some height and some fullness over there throughout the years. So in between, while all of that's growing, because, you know, perennials take a while and so do shrubs, um, I placed in some flowering kale, but I used a really low variety, growing variety. And so they get really like big and wide and large, just really like round near the ground. So I've been loving that because it really suppresses the weeds that we get in there because it's near the waterway, which we have some really aggressive grasses along in there. And it's always so hard to maintain those areas because of all of that. And I don't like spraying because then it that would create like a a runoff into the waterway, which goes where, you know, it probably drips into the soil, it goes to other people's properties, farms, anybody who would want to be organic that would just really affect and hurt. And um, so we don't do that. So it's been very hard to maintain on our own and we keep trying like different things. And, but this has been awesome. So in areas where, you know, you want to really suppress the weeds while you are growing any type of perennial garden that hasn't taken off yet the flowering kale is awesome because it just explodes into a low growing like wide circular uh, textured plant and then the weeds can't see the sun they can't come up you know and then if they do come up they're easier to pull because they're very like um, stressed from not having that sun early on they're not as established so that has been really nice to suppress the weeds and, it, and it's getting me thinking like Maybe I should do that in some of our other new perennial gardens to kind of like help us out next year, you know. Um, and they're so fast growing. They're easy to seed start on your own. Um, and that's just flowering kale. And then, you know, like they're more of a texture. They have some color, but it's more of a texture-based plant during the summer. But then in fall is when it really starts getting super vibrant. When everything else is starting to look kind of brown, those things are just still awesome. And even when we get snow, like they're still going, like they're not alive, but even when they die, like they hold on to that color. They really hold their shape and color. So even through the snow, you're seeing like this bright, vibrant purple or pink or whatever color you go with in, in the winter too. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and let's see, what else did I want to talk about? I don't know. We're getting to the end here. We're at 30 minutes, you guys. I've been talking like crazy and I still have some topics, but I think I'm going to kind of cut it for today. Um, and kind of like, you know, let you guys get on with your day. I have to start watering. It's 8.08 here at the moment, and it's starting to get hot already. It seems like it's going to be a super hot day. Um, 85, which really isn't too bad. You know, it's really not too bad. It's just that our wind kicks in here, and it's like 
creates like this blow dryer effect on all the gardens. So um, right now, like the watering schedule to me now is just water everything in the morning and you're good. Um, so we're going to go ahead and do that. So I hope you guys have an awesome day. Have fun in your gardens. Make time to sit and relax in your gardens. Um, make that a priority. Please do. And I hope you guys really try out this new ginger tea. I am loving it. It's refreshing, tasty, a little bit of a zappy spice if you add enough. And uh, I think you'll uh, be set for the day. So have an awesome day. And we will talk with you guys next time.